Jerome Powell makes a semi-annual visit to Capitol Hill. And it's fireworks, ladies and gentlemen, as Wall Street traders said, no way, we don't like what you have to say, Powell. We saw the Dow down 570 points. We're now at a loss for the year in 2023, despite January's big run-up. What do we do from here? Well, we have all the answers for you on Buy, Hold, Sell. Welcome, everyone. I'm your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out of sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. And we have a very special friend with us who is, who is someone who is with, was with us back in our Fox News days, David Nelson, strategist for Bellpoint Asset Management and host of the Money Runner podcast. David, welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Jeez, I have, I have to get closer now because you guys are like staring in the camera. I don't want to be the little pinhead in the back. <laughs> well, yeah. this brings back so many memories. I mean, this is like the, you know, back in the uh, the, the B&B days. And uh, yeah. I don't want to say the name because I don't want lawyers giving me a call. But yeah, I, gotta, yeah, I feel like <laughs> I'm in the green room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But All those right. were some um, some great memories and some fun times. But David, I mean, you're, you've been in the markets for some time now. I got to say, I mean, big sell-off, but was it a big surprise? Powell talks about inflation, saying he still wants to hit that 2% target. We expected probably more interest rate hikes, yet we Wall should, Street said no way. We, we probably should have. And, you know, every 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 so often, you know, Powell's got to step up to a microphone. He's got to splash some water on our face. I, I think what we learned out of all this is that we're, we're still hostage. We're a hostage, you know, hostage investors to the Federal Reserve, Yeah, you know, and we have so many things to deal with. You look around the planet, every corner of the planet is still a geopolitical hotspot, but the risk-free rate really matters. And and Jerome just reminded us of that today. Todd, yeah. I, I got to tell you, first off, it's great to see David when he was first on the uh, Bulls and Bears show, he actually had hair down to his shoulders and he tied it in a bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had cut it off by that time. Oh, yeah, but all right. There, well, was, a, the there only... was a time in my life I, I, I had a real life. Yeah, I, he was the only rock and roll star who ever became a, a star money manager that I know of. And so it is great to see him. Now, if David wasn't so busy, he probably would have been. I, I, I need to get you on our mailing list, by the way. Dude, Todd, what is it? I'm, I'm now the Mr. Broken Record. Yes, 10 million jobs for every 5 million people available. Yeah. Here's the one that got me today. I, I, I tried to do, I, I have this spreadsheet now of all the possible breathing human beings who could work in the United States and all the jobs, you know, that are available. Uh, yeah. 1.8 million uh, people uh, from 2020 at age 62 went on social security. We've never had anything like that in the, in the modern age. To pull your social security at 62, assuming that they're not exactly high income workers, it means they would have to work, I would think, but yet they're not. Then we have another 1.8 million doofus 18 to 29-year-olds who are not working. Yeah. They're not out of the labor force. They're not injured. They're not on disability, et cetera. They're just living downstairs, smoking bongs and playing video games. Um, yeah. So there's almost 3 million there that are missing from the service industries. So how on earth, you know, finally, Pal said basically what he has to say. And by the way, the uh, Cleveland Fed put a, a report out uh, on Monday that if you look at the last paragraph and you haven't fallen asleep yet, it says, quote, unquote, the only way that the American economy could cool down enough to get to a 2% PCE core rate would be with a recession. And that was the first time I've seen that yeah. from anybody who actually spoke the truth and not Fed speak uh, malarkey. Well, the right, market's right. actually predicting that. I mean, right now, if we don't get a recession somewhere on the tail end of this, it's going to be the first time in a half century 
that a yield curve this inverted yeah. got it wrong. I mean, yeah, the Fed always goes too far. And the problem that I have with the Federal Reserve is is really this. They don't take into effect into effect the, the leg effect. And even one of their own members, Atlanta Fed President uh, Raphael Bostic, he wrote a paper on this last yeah. November. And it stated that it takes about 18 months to two years for the rates to wash through the system. We're not even a year into this. So what's going to happen? You know, when we keep hiking, 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 they finally get to their 2%, but they're going to have buried the economy along with it. Well, also, yeah, let's, not, yeah, let's also not forget that, uh, you know, I, I, first off, David, I'm just, I'm, I get pissed off at these historical references like the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and particularly the last three years have anything in common. Yes, it's the United States. Yes, we have an economy, but we've never come out of a pandemic, a post-pandemic, a World War III. Uh, and and then Fed hike rates. So when you say, well, you know, uh, the calendar says that the stocks are supposed to be going up the first three months of a presidential year. Really? Did that yeah. ever happen after a pandemic? And so I, I, it's like people like this. You know, denial is not a strategy. Uh, and finally, today was interesting that he actually said the words that that people were saying they were not going to do that. Remember what three weeks ago, David, wasn't the narrative. Well, we're going to have that pivot in September, October. They're going to start cutting rates. How is that possible? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not hearing that any any longer for a number right. of reasons. But but I think that's where the I think that's what's so dangerous right now is that you had that narrative that was out there about this pivot, and it was almost as if the Fed took that and felt the pressure to say, okay, let's start hiking 25 basis points. And the idea was just one more rate hike, which was going to occur at the March 21st, 22nd meeting, then Goldman Sachs comes out and says, nope, you're going to have three more rate hikes. And then you start hearing the chatter saying no rate cuts at the end of the year, because there were so many that actually suggested we were going to have rate cuts in the fourth quarter. Now there's a speculation. We're not going to, we're going to see rate hikes for the rest of this year and start talking about rate cuts. We're so far beyond that story. That's probably a story well deep in the 2024. 6%. 6% terminal yeah. rate, if you do the math the way I do it, and I do excellent math, uh, yeah. uh, is the only way that you destroy enough jobs so mm-hmm. that service wages and shelter costs would come down because shelter wages and service wages and service prices are 56% of all the PCE index. If those things don't come down down to 2%, we don't get to 2%. I mean, it's yeah. just literally mathematically impossible. And nobody wants to tell the truth except this show, Todd. On top <laughs> That's of right. This is the a, truth. We are, we are truth towers. Real quick for the viewers and for the audience, the yeah. PCE, uh, the next reading of PCE actually doesn't come out until the 24th, which will be two days after the Fed meets. Right. Now you, the Fed, what are they going to be? What's, what data point are they really staring at? David, I got to bring it back I, to you. I, think, I mean, I we think have it's a job be... report Friday. You got a jobs report Friday and the yeah. following week, you got a CPI report. I'm not sure if we have yeah. a PPI report that I actually think the CPI is 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 a major, major event uh, for us. That's kind of what started all this, right. even before we started looking at the PCE. And we've we've done a lot. I mean, if you think back where the CPI was last year and, you know, we, we're down to what, about 6.4 was the last reading. But going from 6.4 to 2. Yeah. I personally don't think we get there. I think somewhere along the line, the Fed is going to learn to live with something like three or somewhere between three and three and three and PC, four. 
he seemed pretty determined today, though. I mean, he's no, he's he's on Capitol Hill saying, David, talking I to the senators, saying, I no, we're, staying, we're sticking. Well, he's he's got a pretty robust, you know, the, the numbers are still good, although the GDP now numbers, the Atlanta Fed. I get it on my app every day. It's come down for the last last week. It's already down. It's down almost a full percent in just the last two or two or three weeks. We were looking at about three percent. We're now down to I think it's two point one came in today. Right, remember, so, you're talking about GDP, David. You're G- not talking about inflation. You're talking about their yeah, GDP gross now. domestic product. Yeah, yeah. The, the activity in the economy that's starting to come to come down. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to keep an eye on that. So, yeah, it it's a big challenge. Going from where we are, they've, we've 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 made some progress, but going that last mile, that can save, take some time. And to your point, Todd, is you know I think the markets actually did a pretty good job getting rid of the rate cuts because I follow interest rate futures and yeah. and the terminal rate that used to be for July. We used to think that July was going to be the terminal rate. It's now September, and there are no rate cuts priced in at all. Not until sometime, not until sometime next year. What markets weren't ready for is the idea that the terminal rate would keep going up. And now it looks you put you look at it as a chart, it almost looks like a tech stock that you want to buy. Right. Yeah. It's pointed 45 <laughs> degrees angling up yeah. to the right. Yeah, we call, it looks we beautiful. Call that a Viagra a, chart in our house. That's a Viagra chart like that. It just looks like it's on a path to to, to 6% and that's just pretty tough. And if you start yeah. with the risk-free rate as a valuation metric, then if you can get if you can get, you know, risk-free 5% on your cash then before you're going to invest in equity, you've got to you've got to get something like three times that at least yeah. before David, you're going to risk David, your that's capital. A great point. So we're we've been about sixty percent in cash for the last uh, ten months, at least twelve months, and uh, then we've been picking our little micro sectors. Like our actual portfolio is up about thirty two percent this year, being sixty percent in cash. Now, one thing is is we're getting five percent yield from iBroker in a money market account. And to your point, you uh, why would I? Why would I throw away a risk-free five percent, reinvest the dividends, et cetera, and and then go out and buy tech stocks? On the other hand, as you know, uh, ChangeWave, uh, is uh, new name was Transformity Research, started after I sold that to SG Global, and um, but there's micro niches, and so the big transformational changes that have been going on that are investable really have had nothing to do with tech until Chat AI started. We we've made 30, 40 percent on owning uh, product tankers that ship oil and ship diesel. I said, why? Because the transformation of the Russian you know, energy business uh, opened up this huge opportunity and rates of, are up 400%. I'm not saying anybody can't make money in, in the market now, but you have to be in niches, in my opinion, and not the broad indexes. It is If it was ever a stock picker's market, David, right now is a stock picker's uh, market. Well, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a great point. If you think back over the last decade, all right, it made it very difficult for, for guys like us yeah. As as money managers, because the tide lifted all boats, everything went up, and the, the QQ, were, the more you went the up. Buy the QQ on the dip, right? It averaged eighteen to twenty-two percent. I look underneath the market today, and the dispersion between good and bad is pretty wide, and that to me is an opportunity. So there are things out there to buy. There are themes you can buy into. Uh, just the broad index, it's it's got like kind of an anchor on it right now, and it's just, it's just going to be for a while. You know, we're going to have to right. live through this well, probably another six months. Manager, if if you're if a person is an active manager right now and they are not beating the market, then what the freak are they in the business for? Because this is the time where active management is supposed to make the money. You're supposed to say, mm-hmm. hey, here's the value added, 
that I bring to just buying the indexes. Um, and I, I guess my argument is I, I've recently joined, uh, we sold our company to uh, True Market Insiders and they have a huge amount of data and they do a great job of, of indexes. What I'm building with them are sub indexes. So in the transportation index, we have a product shipping uh, deal. We have a bulk shippers. We have other, because those things are, you know, on an uptick, they're an S-curve inflection point of rates going higher because there's not enough boats to ship all this stuff and you, they got to go two times farther. Well, that's a very microeconomic world. Yeah. I'll, I'll take being up 32% net of fees. No, you know? no doubt. No doubt. And you're doing sensational. Listen, so let's leave it there on this block because coming up in next in the next block, I really want to get your guys, your opinions on the jobs report. If we do have a big beat on Friday, what this could possibly mean for the Fed rate hike when we um, when we when they meet in two Is weeks. Good news, bad news, or bad okay. news, good news. I don't know. Well, we're gonna answer that <laughs> for the audience after the break. There's a great teaser for you. So please stick with us. We'll be right uh, back. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Did you know that 82% of all internet traffic is video? At Big Wig Media, we believe that not only is video the present, it's the future. Are you looking to tell your story in a more dynamic and effective way? Big Wig is designed to be your production studio whenever you need it. Our team will give you a tour and a consultation to identify your needs and we'll make it easy for you. Big Wig works with trade associations, corporations, and nonprofit advocacy groups to provide broadcast quality content, media trainings, capture stakeholder fly-ins, and hold live and virtual events. Everybody is a Big Wig at Big Wig Media. Let's tell your story. On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Welcome back to Buy Home Sell. So today was a big off day after Jerome Powell's comments to the Senate Banking Committee on Capitol Hill. We saw the Dow down over 570 points. We're now at a loss for the year. What's there to ha- What's going to happen going forward? Well, guess what? Chairman Powell has another day on Capitol Hill tomorrow, so mm-hmm. we will see. Plus, we have the upcoming jobs report to talk about. And speaking of with with that, uh, David, I want to go back to you on this one because. On that jobs report, the consensus on Wall Street is 225,000 
Last month or January, we had 517,000. I we, we had Gina Martin Adams from Stra- Equity Strategist from Bloomberg on the other day. And one thing I pointed out to her was 225,000 is still an eye-popping number, especially in a recessionary environment. If we beat that number and we see the market slide even further, will this force the hand of the Fed in two weeks to actually raise maybe, uh, maybe a little bit larger than the 25 basis points that's expected? Almost anything can happen with these guys. Uh, I think the number's got to get down to about 100,000 on a sustainable basis. Anything more than that, you got a problem. And the Fed understands that. They want to see it somewhere. They don't want to see it go negative, but they don't want to see it much above 100,000. Right now, you said it was 225. I hadn't seen that. You get a number, another, another number like 400 to 500. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that would be, that would be a real, that would be a real negative for, for stocks. And then you got a CPI report literally a couple of days a couple of days a couple of days after that so yeah look at there's no shortage of you know bricks in the wall of wall of worry well yeah you got that right todd the other thing is somewhat you know i know this is again a little bit in the weeds but january had a bunch of seasonal changes that we've never had before and i i think there's a reasonable uh argument to be made that 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 thing was so off the chain. I mean, you know, five orders of magnitude higher than what was expected, you know, tells me that the seasonal adjustments that changed in, in, in January probably overstated a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is, right? Uh, the seasonal adjustments you're going to have, uh, you can get all the weeds you want, but but it would just be, you know, just go someplace. Uh, I, I, we were out last night, you know, packed. Uh, there was uh, it's a, a place that's uh, within walking distance of our home uh, area. Every restaurant on a Monday night was packed. There was no Monday night football. Uh, nothing going on. There's yeah, nothing going on. I, you know, talk to yeah. you know friends and so yeah. forth. Saying, I just got off a boat. Holy Christ, the thing was packed. I just got out of Hawaii. I you know we missed this flight because because no one like me actually works except for me. You know, all my <laughs> friends are out freaking spending the money and. No, it's that way too here, Toby. Uh, you know, I walk into the restaurants. I I got to make a reservation two days in advance, even yeah. for Greenwich, Connecticut. This isn't like Manhattan. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a little busy here, but it's. It, I suspect it's that way pretty much around the country. So the the economy, there's fair amount of steam, and there's still a lot of liquidity out there, and there's still a lot of government cash that is sitting in people's bank accounts that they've got still still got money to spend. Yeah, good point about that. So, David, you being the strategist at Bell Point Asset Management, you're you're a podcast host with the Money Runner. I mean, you have you're right there. You are you got the finger on the pulse of what's taking place in the markets. What are you telling people right now as far as specific stocks or maybe sectors that they should start leaning towards? All right, a couple of things. I'm going to break it up into to, to two segments here. One, I'm telling not don't put all your money in stocks. You got choices yeah. right now. Used to be that there was no alternative. There are a lot of alternatives right now, and the first of them is cash. Right now, you can put money in a in a one year T bill. You're going to get over five percent. You can ladder out a portfolio three, six, nine, twelve. Maybe take it out to two years. So part of your money should be should be right there. But right now, in terms of equity, maybe the only area of the market I'm not invested in right now, in some fat fashion, is REITs and utilities. I'm quantitative by nature, rules-based. So uh, from a fundamental standpoint, estimate revisions, kind of wonky stuff, very important to me. I need to look at companies that are seeing those estimates going up, not going down. Valuation is certainly part of it. But when I do that, I'm finding things even within technology 
that I'm attracted to. Last year was about free cash flow and 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 that worked great. This year it's about estimate revision. So that brings me to names like uh, Arista Networks. Uh, it's a name that's done very well for us. And some off the wall stocks as well. I mean, it normally wouldn't have fallen into the quant model, but a company like Twilio, and I, I grant you this is high octane, but when I see the CEO go out and buy $10 million worth of stock, that's wow. not a token investment. That's yeah. serious money. $10 million is an investment. He's only That's bought twice in the, in the last 10 years. I'm in. Yeah, David, yeah. he's got $10 million in his socks, BTW. But, I, <laughs> you know, I, David, I, I, I'm with you. I, I find it intriguing that people are I, – I, somebody brought in an account a couple weeks ago, and they had, like, office REITs. Are you kidding me? I mean, we have Blackstone – now foreclosing on six different offices in New York and in DC and LA and so on and so forth. Of course, San Francisco, because they own the one that Twitter decided not to pay the rent on. And it blows my mind. Uh, you know, and even apartment REITs, I mean, certainly at the high end, we we're talking about, you know, everything being busy. Obviously, there is a stratification in the United States that's gotten even larger, which is Remember, the top 10% pay 65% of all the taxes. The top 10% own about 80% of all the wealth. Uh, top 10% is kicking ass. And Greenwich, Connecticut, and North Scottsdale, not so much Buffalo, Todd, are all uh, you know at the <laughs> high end of the space. But you get into the heartland is where I'm where you know we have a lot of subscribers and, and and they're saying, man, you know, if you're in the farm industry, one of the things we're buying now is farm, agco, uh, deer. These I own agco. Yeah, they're making Home more run. money than they ever have, uh, and uh, the manage and, and the technology is so impressive that you're able to in the in in, in the heartland. By the way, there's this great book uh, out that I, I'll think of in a second that reminded me that remember the whole United States grew because we had the most fertile land in the world, and all those people who came over from Europe from these little small little plots of land could now have you know 50 acres and a mule. And that's how we got going. But we're still now we're not only the strongest energy supplier to the world, we're the largest food supplier for high end grain and corn. And I think of those investments, Toby, as they're, they're, the, they're the new tech, because you look at some of the machinery that these companies oh. like Deere and others are, are manufacturing. It's pretty impressive stuff. For one, you're looking at trackers that are driving themselves. All right. So right. The, whatever it is, a harvester, a planter, the planter of technology is the most interesting to me. They've got it down to a science where they can determine to within very, very small measurements, you know, how deep the seed is going to go and, and the spacing between the seeds. They're driving 10 miles an hour. That's pretty fast to lay this, this stuff down. And I never knew how important it was to a farmer to have that be exactly right. If it's two inches instead of four inches, it's a huge difference in, in terms of the crop yield. When, and when you're talking thousands and thousands of acres, it's a big deal. Yeah. And then, of course, you add on the technology that shows how much fertilizer you should put on. And again, fertilizer is the most expensive part of the whole freaking thing, particularly nitrogen. All of a sudden, again, like Agco and Deer both have these systems that, 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 that essentially look at the dirt, look at the side, look, I'll make all these calculations and then give a smidge of nitrogen, as opposed to the old days, uh, when I uh, used to work for Cedar uh, uh, Life Insurance, it was in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, when I'd go back in harvest time, I'd say, take me out, because I'm a city boy. I've never seen, what, how, how the hell did this corn get to be 25 feet tall in Des Moines, Iowa? And the answer is a shitload of fertilizer, son. Um, <laughs> and that's when fertilizer was cheap. Well, it's not cheap anymore. 
Um, so I'm with you, David. I mean, again, I think there's it's a it's a great opportunity, uh, and and you know you only buy Agco and stocks like when these guys are making money hand over fist because unlike the rest of the people, those people actually save money because they actually save for a rainy day. I mean, literally. Uh, and so when they have excess cash, they don't have any divorces. They don't have like alimony to pay. They don't have any of this stuff. They're farm people who, are, you know, with the richest 2% of people in the United States are farm owners. So, uh, you know, I love it. And it used to be a time when, you know, the farmers, a good year was breaking even. Break even that right. was a great year. All right. Now they can make some really serious money because they're using science uh, to, yeah. to make these things a lot better for all of us. Yeah, I love that. We'd be talking about Agco on a uh, on a side show. Well, well, I mean, change. there's well, there, there's there's so many so many other stories to this. I mean, something uh, that chicken farmers. Uh, one thing with Tyson Foods, once they realized that they could put LED lights into these chicken coops, that actually helped their chickens because chickens are notoriously stressful. But the LED lights seemed to calm them down. They they lost less feathers. They were plumper. Yeah, the whole thing, right? So they invest, no, seriously. So they invest yeah, in these light bulbs. They're more expensive. Next thing you know, Tyson has their, their per, their per uh, unit um, the production was much higher and then they were making more money. So there's a lots of angles on the farming side. And it's one of those areas, obviously, that's never going to go away. So I see a lot of value there. Uh, David, let me ask you this. So now you have yields that have popped. We saw the two-year yield up to 5%, first time since 2007. I mean, th th you can only suspect that tomorrow especially when, when Powell visits the House of Representatives, which I would think would be a little bit more of a um, gregarious type of tone because the reps like to yell and scream a little bit more than the senators, I believe. But, uh, but, with, but with that, if yields do continue to move higher, and then it just seems that much more advantageous for an investor to move there, I mean, are you suggesting any type of yield-friendly investments for, for investors? Yield-friendly investment. Wow. Yeah. Uh... I actually think that you're going to have a, a major opportunity in bonds uh, on the long end of the curve. Yeah. The 60-40 portfolio is is going to come back in a, in a in a very very strong way, and you know we we abandoned fixed income for the last decade because there's just no money. value there. But yeah. balancing out your portfolio with the longer end of the curve is going to be more attractive once this settle, settles down, so that when we hit a recessionary environment. You're going to make some money on bonds to make up for the fact that you're losing money, money, money in your stock. So I actually think the 10 year is actually starting to get to, to an area that I find attractive. Well, Todd, you okay. know, the, the other thing that's interesting to me is that I started in 1981 and people lost, uh, this is a technical term, a shit ton on their bonds as interest rates went <laughs> up, right? And um, did, you, did you go to Harvard? Did you go to Harvard to that's, learn that? Exactly. Term? I exactly. <laughs> I wore suspenders when I was 11 years old. Okay, that's how I went. <laughs> So uh, in Europe, I mean, people forget that Europe is still uh, the biggest buyer of our 10-year bonds because their yields are so low and they have actual pensions that they pay people. They lost their took us, right? They lost their butts on, they were down 21% on bonds. So they're underweight bonds. And the one hope I guess you'd have for the stock market is obviously kryptonite is above 4% on 10 years all of a sudden. But these guys are going to be buying these bonds because they don't have to mark to market the values we get to uh, in the weed, woods here, weeds here. But there's a big demand if we can get to four to four and a half. And now they're going to buy bonds, which means the prices are going to go down. Yields right. are going to go down. You know, and, 
it'll it'll you know I, that's one hope I have is when when people can feel comfortable to go out and buy a, a bunch of. Bonds. I actually think that you're going to see a pivot point. I, I personally think the pivot point is around July. I do and too. I don't mean that the Fed is going to wake up one day and start to, to cut rates. I think the pivot is from this sense. Right now, we're in an earnings recession. At best, for 2023, you're looking at, at what we did last year. Mm-hmm. And it's likely something something less than that. Mike Wilson is looking for 195. Consensus right now is still 223. Earnings on the we S&P 500. On the S&P 500. If we get to, to, to July, we'll be beyond the debt ceiling. All right, which is another headache that we yeah, haven't right. even discussed. All right, well, beyond that, but then fund managers and portfolio managers like myself, we're going to care a lot less about 2023. We're going to be looking at 2024, and the 12 month look ahead for earnings is going to look a lot better. We're going to actually be looking at some growth instead of things being revised down. Yeah, David, David you make a great point. Um, again, I'm very prejudiced against money managers who are under 45 years old because I don't think they have a clue about you know, what Volcker had to do to get, get, get rid of inflation, how people were yelling and screaming, oh my God, and I was selling bonds for Kidder Peabody in 1982. And I would go, I'd walk into the you know manager's office and they'd say, get out, get out. <laughs> we're losing our ass on bonds, you schmuck. That sounds like last week. <laughs> yeah. So, but it worked. It took a lot of pain, but it worked. And to your point of, you know, when we added $6 trillion of uh, cash to the money supply and then the federal federal Reserve, the federal government added another $6 trillion, added up, that's a lot of trillions, right? That's like 60% of the entire GDP for a year. So that caused inflation. Larry Summers was right. Uh, God bless him. But what really concerns me, David, is we're not, quantitative tightening is, a, is nothing. They've done 400, 500 billion. There's 6 billion of cash sloshing out there. How do we how do we get inflation down if we don't start actually really tightening the monetary supply? Well, they're tightening a little bit. I mean, they're starting to roll off the balance sheet, but the, now you're talking government, and that's the Achilles heel because these guys just cannot get their act together. I yeah. mean, it's Congress is just this side of dysfunctional, all right? It's a, about the only thing, the only agreement there is is that we got to get rid of TikTok. Out of all the things we got to worry about, the only thing these guys can agree on is about a Chinese balloon and TikTok as the, right. the biggest problems in yeah, the world. I think that they've we never seen the problems out there. Yeah, I saw some one of the one of the congressmen. The, the, the reporter was holding up like this his iPad to show TikTok, and the guy says, "What's that?" It says, "That's TikTok." <laughs> oh, that's TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it doesn't today. have any grandkids or kids, obviously. Um, yeah, but you know, by the way, if you want to learn something about stocks, go on TikTok. There are some experts there that really are slaying it. Yeah, well, the the, the fact that that our, our congressional leaders even to have even need to have the discussion to get rid of TikTok because they are concerned that they might lose the under thirty vote is ridiculous. <laughs> that, is that, that, that they're actually going to that's make that obscene. Decision. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, just yeah. awful. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Definitely is. So listen, we're going to leave it there, guys. So. David Nelson, Chief Strategist for Bellpoint Asset Management and host of the Money Runner podcast. We want to thank you so much for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. We do hope to see you you again very soon and not as long as it's been since we last saw you on the last show on BNB. Thanks so much. Can't wait to come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great to see you, David. So on behalf of David Nelson and Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you again for joining us for Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll see you again next time. Take care. 
Buy, Hold, Sell Live, brought to you by Transformity Research. I want you to smash that like button. (laughs) Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.